Hi and welcome to all. My name is Sebastian Richard. You are listening and watching the Thriving on Purpose broadcast. And I'm Elizabeth Richard. And tonight we're continuing our Kingdom Leadership series with episode nine. And we are going to talk about mindset. Mindset. And the subtitle, which I would have liked as a title, Seven Mindset Keys to Unlock your leadership. And of course, we're talking about kingdom leadership, not just regular leadership. We're talking to believers. So it's not going to be the seven mindset keys that you would have seen for uh, entrepreneurs, uh, secular entrepreneurs. It's going to be different. And that's what we're going to talk about mindset. And Liz, that's something I know that you uh, have been passionate about. And you know what? Like, let's be honest. We all we all struggle in that area, and you're going to see as we we go through this uh, this study, this teaching. It, it's something that's very hard for for everybody because it has to do with your thoughts, it has to do with your perception, it has to do with your attitudes. So mindset is the key that unlocks many of your uh, much of your leadership capacity. I guess I should say it like that. And we're going to start, Liz, if you have anything you want to add, uh, you can do it no, now before I, I, get, I dive in. So I want to start with Romans chapter 7, verses 21 to 25. So Paul is, is uh, wrote Romans. So he's explaining the plight, our plight as believers, quite clearly when he says this. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work in me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. And, and chapter seven of Romans was very interesting about that because Paul is really uh, describing that struggle that we go through, that tension between uh, our flesh and our spirit man. And if we're honest, you know, uh, in a lot of churches, um, you know, when you struggle with your mindset, when you're down, when, you know, life circumstances happen, uh, difficulties happen, um, oftentimes in the church, in many, many churches, not all, but in many, many churches, the pastors aren't very equipped to deal with that because, you know, they're, they're going to try to point you at certain verses, encourage you and tell you not to give up. Um, but sometimes, you know, there's attacks of the enemy that are on your mind. Sometimes, um, you know, like depression, for example, there's different things that can happen. And, uh, you know, everybody's like, well, you're saved now. So, um, you know, your rejoice, mind is, have the joy yeah, of the Lord. <laughs> the, your mind is renewed. Like you shouldn't be feeling this way because you're a Christian now, you know, as if being a Christian is yeah. just going to take away everything and, and, you know, make you feel bliss. Yeah. And, and there's a lot that we're responsible for and yeah. that we need to do as believers so that God can intervene and help us out. Right. And, and guys, uh, 
make sure you stay till the end because you will want to hear these seven keys to mm -hmm. unlock uh, the uh, seven mindset keys to unlock your leadership. You you're going to want to hear this. This is very good. Uh, so so Paul explains in, in Romans chapter seven, the struggle uh, between uh, what he wants and what he actually does, what he actually ends up with. And right after in Romans chapter eight, so Romans chapter eight kind of like offers the solution to the struggle of Romans chapter seven. So in Romans chapter eight, verses five through eight, we are told of the remedy to the struggle that we each have to face that's within us. Within us. Mm -hmm. So Paul says this, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. Mm -hmm. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. Yes. The mind, notice again, the, the, the word keeps coming back, the mind. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. So in, in verses 5 through 8, you probably noticed this. The word mind is repeated five times. And that's why it's it's dangerous also to um, go with feelings, you know, because when you, you understand that your, yeah. your spirit man, um, your flesh man, your... You know, Not basically, your spirit, man. Your, 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 your flesh. Yeah. Your flesh. Is yeah, that war with is, your spirit? It's basically what we all, you know, say like, you know, well, I feel like doing this or I want to do this or I don't want to do this. This is basically your flesh speaking. You you never feel like doing this or you <laughs> never feel like doing that. Yeah. It's always coming against what you know that you're supposed to do. And, and that's the fight, right? So we have to be careful because a lot of believers will um, tend to say, you know, well, that doesn't feel right to me. So I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Or I'm not going to go in that certain direction. Uh, well, if you're basing your whole life on your feelings, uh, good luck with you. <laughs> good luck with that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's absolutely true. What you're saying, like the feelings can be very misleading. The emotions mm. can be misleading, but the word of God is our anchor. Yeah. And uh, that's where we get God's will and God's blueprint for our lives. And we need to anchor it on that. So I did a little, uh, searching because I was curious when I read that the, the word mind came up five times in that passage alone, I was like, Hmm, I wonder how many times the word mind comes up in the new Testament. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what folks, the word mind is found 54 times in the new Testament. I was, I was very surprised. That's, so I that's think quite that's a important. lot. It's quite, that's exactly my, my conclusion was like, well, it must be important if it shows up that many times. Yeah. So, so the least we can say is that your mindset is on God's mind. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's very important if you're going to fulfill your kingdom assignment and to, to, to be consistent in what God asks of you, it's very important to develop that mindset. So this is what Paul calls all believer. Uh, this is why Paul calls all believers to not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The renewing of the mind of believers is such a huge key. And speaking of renewing of the mind, 
there's a clip I want to share with you guys uh, that I uploaded for you. I know you're going to like this. It's Miles Monroe. Uh, he was he passed away in 2014. But man, that clip. Uh, get ready because this this could ruffle some feathers. Okay, this is this 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 might ruffle some of you guys. I, I, I listened to it and I was laughing. I was like, "Whoa, I can't believe he said that." But man, you need to hear this. So he's he's going to talk about the renewing of the mind in that clip. So pay attention. It's about five minutes and a half, but it's really a whopper and it's really worth it. Stick around. Being born again doesn't change your mentality. Being born again does not change your mentality. Being born again does not change your mentality. <laughs> Being born again is not changing your mentality. Being born again does not change your mentality. The most schizophrenic people in the world are Christians. They claim everything and they do nothing. <laughs> Paul wrote this note to Christians. Romans 12, verse 2. He was writing to a church. He said, Be no longer conformed to the thinking of this world, but be ye transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. Everybody say renew. renew. Write it down. Quick, 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 quick. Everybody say renew. renew. Say it loud. Renew. I can't hear you. Renew. Everybody. Young man, say it. Renew. Say it loud. Renew. He said, be ye transformed. How? He didn't say get a new mind. Okay, write the word renew. You get it down? Now, that word renew is not a word. In grammar, it's called a grammatical construct. A grammatical construct is when you take a word and you add a prefix to it. What's the prefix? Re. Write the, write the prefix down. Re by itself. Re. R-E. Got it? Now, the prefix re means to go back to the original state. I repeat, re means what? To go back to the original state. <laughs> That's why the first word Jesus used has a re in front of it. Oh, we're going to have some heavy stuff this week. Paul says, you will not be transformed until you stop going forward turn around and go back to your original self go back and get your original mind oh help me lord young people listen to me what they are teaching you in school will not make you successful. Guaranteed. 
They are teaching you to get a job. I have come to teach you to own a business. Society conditions you to behave. To conform. To be normal. But I have come sent by the beast. To teach you not to conform any longer to this world's way of thinking. But to be transformed by getting your original mindset back you were not born to be normal you were not born to be normal you were not born to be average you were not born to be normal some people are so busy Trying to fit in. They never stand out. I'm talking to myself in this place. So you want to dress like everybody? Wear your hair like everybody? Wear the same pants below your hip? Buy the same shoes? Buy the same snake leather shoes? Buy the same tie like everybody else? Why don't you break away and develop your own style? So, if you're still with us, <laughs> I don't know if you heard this when he said it. Maybe you didn't hear it. Being born again doesn't change your mentality. And he said it like five or six times. Mm -hmm. I think he was trying to make a point, and it's true. And it's tragic for believers when they are taught that being born again is supposed to change your mentality. And when you realize that your mentality isn't changed, that's when you think something's wrong with you. Mm -hmm. This is why we are called to for the renewing of our minds. So being born again was the rebirth of your spirit, not your mind. So you see, your spirit man was saved and regenerated and fully sanctified and made perfect in Jesus Christ upon your new birth. We can thank God for that. That's an amazing thing. It's transformational. It's wonderful. But nevertheless, that was your spirit man. Man is a tri tripartite being, which means we are made of three, we're composed of three uh, things. So, we're composed, of course, of a spirit. We're composed, we have a body, but we also have a soul, a soul. So now we know that through the new birth, your spirit is sanctified. So your spirit is made perfect, okay? Your spirit is made perfect, it's renewed, but your soul and your body are not, or I should say, not yet. They're not yet made that, that way. So while your spirit desires to accomplish the will of God, your soul, man, your, your soulish person, your, your mind, 
and your flesh are constantly fighting your spirit. And Liz, what happens when in a, in a struggle when it's two against one? Well, they gang up on the, the last person and they win. <laughs> when it's two against one, the, the two usually win gang over up. the one, right? Right. So this is why. This is why in order to win this battle, mm -hmm. you must use your spirit man and get to your mind to bring it in allegiance or in alignment with your spirit. Your spirit is born again. Your spirit desires the things of God, but your soul most of the time does not. So you, you need to with the through the renewing of your mindset the renewing of of your mind get that soul to work with your spirit work with me grab it yeah <laughs> work with me there's a struggle there but but here's what happens remember it, it's a, a what they call a uneven number right it's 3 when you get your soul to work with your spirit man now it's two against one Right. So now in Romans 8, Paul tells us that if we can win over our mind, that is our soul, to the side of our spirit, the victory is won. Mm -hmm. He says, those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. So once you get your mind, if you can win your mind over to the side of the spirit, it's game over for your body. Your body's going to follow. Yeah. So you don't need to you don't need to focus on your body. You need to focus on your mindset, on your mind. That's where the battleground is. So this is this is very important for you to understand. Your spirit man is fully sanctified, regenerated and reborn, okay, in the image of Jesus Christ. That's what that's what Jesus Christ wanted for you. When you were born again, but you got to get your soul, your 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 mind, your emotions, your will. Come with, come here, come here, you. And once you do that, body's gonna follow. So this is why personal growth is so important for believers. And one of the things that we found out the hard way. For, for being for years and years in religion, religion does not teach personal growth. The only no. thing that religion teaches is spiritual growth. Right. It doesn't tackle much of mindset. Sure, there's a component in spiritual growth that will affect your mindset positively, and that's that's good. That's wonderful. Mm -hmm. But it really doesn't grab the bull by the horns and say, okay, today we're going to teach you, and for the next few weeks, we're going to teach you how to how to get how to fight the battle in your mind, how to become how to, how to make your mindset give you a kingdom mindset, so that you're victorious. We don't get taught that very much in church. Some churches do, some pastors do. Uh, praise God for that. But it's a minority. It's a minority. So it's all about, the battle is all about your mind. And, and spiritual growth makes you grow deeper roots. Spiritual growth makes you grow deeper roots. But personal growth makes you grow, grow taller and stronger. 
You see that? See, when you look at a tree, when you look at a tree, just think to yourself, whenever you see a tree, whatever you see on the outside, the trunk and all the foliage and, and the, the branches, you can tell yourself that whatever height and size it has, it's pretty much the same underground. The size of its roots usually are approximately the same size as the tree itself. So spiritual growth and personal growth are both very important, but you're being born again, as most many Christians depend on that. I'm born again. It's going to happen. I'm born again. It's, it's going to happen. No, it's not going to happen. You have to make it happen. You have to make it happen. You have to train your mind to yield to your spirit. That's what Paul said when, in Philippians 2.12 when he said, work out your own salvation. Work out your own salvation. Uh, uh, so, so personal growth enables you to grow just like the prophet Samuel and Jesus Christ. There's a passage in the Old Testament uh, that says that uh, Samuel was growing in stature and in favor with God and men, in favor with God and men. And the same is said in Jesus of Jesus Christ when he's uh, they're talking about his youth, how he's growing. They said that Jesus Christ was growing with favor in favor with God and men in stature and in favor with God and men. Mm -hmm. And I love that because the favor and I was talking about this with Elizabeth earlier today, the favor with God, that's your spiritual growth. But guess what? Favor with men, that comes from your personal growth. Are you going to tell me that Jesus Christ and the prophet Samuel didn't have any personal growth going in their lives? They didn't have, they, they weren't working every day to perfect their mindset, to align their thoughts with the thoughts of God, to align their mind with how heaven thinks. Of course now, of, of course they were doing that. Of course they were, they were bearing the fruit of that. Jesus Christ had the best, most strongest, the most amazing mindset ever in the history of mankind. Yeah. So he that's why he was able to withstand everything he withstood, that, that he was able to do everything he did. Mm -hmm. So working out your own salvation, like the Apostle Paul said, that's the ultimate workout. It's the, the greatest battle you will ever fight is the battle for your mind. Now, the devil knows this. His demons know this. Witches and warlocks know this because they know how to attack Christians' minds. Yeah. And now guess what? Now you know it. Now you know it. Now what are you going to do about it? Huh? What are you going to do about it? So obviously we're going to talk. We're going to keep going about this kingdom mindset. Anything you want to add to this list? Because I know that, that uh, mindset. Mindset is the, the thing that Elizabeth fell in love with when we began our personal growth journey. And it's funny because we have been in church for, for what, many what, years, many, many, many years. When we began our personal growth journey, maybe what, six, seven years ago. And Elizabeth, the thing that she really hooked herself on was like, oh, mindset. She, she was devouring mindset. Like any teaching, any YouTube video, any book she could find on mindset, she devoured it because she, um, as someone who, Elizabeth is someone who likes to achieve a lot. She she doesn't like 
she she hates to lose. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. She hates to lose. She wants to win, but as life is, she she, she got she took some some of her she took some lickings, and she didn't like it. She's like, oh, if I can find a way to work out my mind, so that from now on, when I do get a setback or a, a, a failure of some sort, I won't be devastated. I'll just keep going like a tank. I won't be, I'll be unstoppable. Oh, mindset's the key. Okay. I'm all in. I I, I want to know more about mindset. So she began her personal growth with that. That was the thing that she loved the most, right, Liz? Yeah. I, I mean, there's many different components, but I think there's a when lot, you yeah. realize that, um, you know, you kind of see it, but you don't see it at first that, you know, we've been conditioned a certain way. Society has conditioned us to think a certain way. Our churches have conditioned us to think a certain way. Our schools. And, and when you wake up to the reality of what it takes to, um, you know, to succeed in, in your business or to succeed in different areas of your life, um, you realize that, you know, everything's been kind of stacked up against you in your mindset, in the way you think, and that you kind of have to undo that. And most people don't understand, you know, they, they're depressed, they hate their jobs, they don't know what to do with themselves, but, and they think in their minds that, you know, it's just normal because I'm, you know, doing the thing, doing the thing, doing I'm, the thing. you know, doing the <laughs> nine to five, you know, doing living the for the weekends, living for Friday night, Saturday. And then we get depressed on Sunday because we're going back to work on yeah. Monday. And so, uh, you know, when I came to this realization that I, I could actually control somewhat of my future, obviously God has a big part of it. By building up your, but, your mind. You know, a lot of Christians don't even realize that God is like dragging you. He's trying to drag you um, in a direction in the sense that you're kicking and screaming in the other direction because your, your mind is saying, no, 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 I don't want to come out of my comfort zone. The fleshly mind loves its comfort zone. I'd rather stay in this yeah. uncomfortable, horrible situation because it's just too hard to think of how, I just don't know how I'm going to do it. Yeah. You know, always that defeat mentality of, I have no idea. I've never done this before. I have no clue what to do. Uh, if I don't have this job that I've been doing for 15 years, then what else do I have kind of thing, Right. And so we, we, we walk around with this defeat mindset and God is creative. God is, um, you know, he, he renews our minds with creativity, gives us ideas. You know, if we open our minds to it, if we're open to it and we work that personal growth, I think that's the, the biggest thing that's that I think the Lord used to show us that there's more, that there's more to life and there's more to do with, um, with our ministry, with our business, with life. And, um, you know, really use that, really changed our, you know, brought us to personal growth to shift that mindset Absolutely. so that we could see there's possibilities. And then when you bring in spirituality and you bring in God into this and and say, you know, steer me in the right direction, help me, help me to understand and see what I need to see. Then, you know, then all of a sudden, you know, it's like you get revelation and you know where you're going. So, and, and guess what? When we're talking, we're talking about um, renewing of the mind, the mindset, the kingdom mindset. Mm -hmm. um, there's a book written in heaven about each and every one of us that God wrote. So, in other words, when He dispatched your tiny little soul and sent it to Earth to fulfill 
your purpose, to fulfill your kingdom assignment. God had a book written in heaven with everything that he desired for you to become and accomplish. Okay? And guess what's in that book? What is in that book is the perfect version of yourself with a developed and strong kingdom mindset. So what is in that book is the best, your best you, the best version of yourself. So always keep that in mind that God doesn't want us to stay defeated. He doesn't want us to, 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 uh, to fail. He, he wants us to succeed. And to that end, he wants us to not only love and embrace spiritual growth, but he also wants us to love and embrace personal growth. And it's so fascinating. I, th I think it was Jim Rohn who said that. He said, human beings are the only beings that I know of that, that can uh, hinder their own growth. Yeah. Think about that. A tree will always grow as tall as it possibly can. A blade of grass will do the same thing. A flower, a plant, as tall as it possibly can. And possibly implies here uh, potential, potential. We each were given potential. But how many people, Lizzie, do you know who grow to their fullest potential? I don't know many people. I haven't no. seen, I've seen a few. I, I've, I've, I've seen and met a few people mm -hmm. that really, uh, they were, if they weren't, fully developed, they were pretty close. Pretty, like, And it's impressive. When you meet those people, wow, you're like, whoa, man, I, I don't know if I could ever do something like that. I don't know if I could ever accomplish what he's accomplished. But, but these people understood that growth doesn't just happen. You have to make it happen. Yeah. And, you know, I think that Christian, Christianity has done a number on people's minds when it comes to this because, you know, they, they so don't want to to be earthly minded in any way, shape or form that they just want. Um, they're so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good. That they just want, <laughs> you know, God to basically design the exact path and, and do everything for them and then go, okay, I'm just going to like walk on this path, Lord. And, you know, he wants us to take a small action steps. He's not going to show you the end of the path. He's no. not going to show you he wants, he wants where little, you're going. Little obediences. Yeah. Little obediences daily, little obediences daily. And he, he wants us to develop a, uh, how can I put this? A discipline. He wants us disciplined. You know, routine is good. Contrary to what you might have heard. I know some people, they say, I hate routine. I like to be spontaneous. Well, guess what? Spontaneity won't lead you anywhere. It's your daily agenda, your daily routine agenda that will lead you from accomplishment to accomplishment in what God requires of you, okay? So we're talking about kingdom mindset. You cannot lead effectively in the kingdom of God without a strong mindset. Let me repeat that. You cannot lead effectively in the kingdom of God without a strong mindset. How do I know this? I know this because I've tried and failed miserably. That's how I know this. So this is a leadership principle that you cannot uh, lead effectively without a strong mindset. It's not just a kingdom principle. It's a principle that is taught at all the high performance seminars across the world. They all will tell you the same thing. Without a strong mindset, without developing a strong mindset, forget 
forget rising because everybody has a leadership lid okay and your leadership lid is 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 where your the buck stops for you okay yeah. that's your top let's say let's say on a scale of one to ten and let's say on a scale of one to ten you're a six leader you're a six leader well it's only through personal growth and mindset mindset development that you're going to rise higher on your scale that you're going to go to seven and then eight and then lord, lord willing maybe nine and uh, only jesus reached 10 that's a secret that they don't they won't tell you only jesus reached 10 but that's that it's only through personal growth that you're going to do that and guess what the leadership lived is fascinating because if you're a six only fives will follow you you're not going to be followed by a seven if you're a six so if you're going to influence the culture, if you're going to influence your world, if you're going to influence people for the kingdom of God, it's going to happen through personal growth and growing your leadership. And now we're getting, uh, we're getting with, to the good stuff. Uh, I'm, I'm glad you stayed with us because we're going to tackle those keys that I told you about that we were going to talk about. So God wants you, he desires you very strongly to have a mindset that reflects his kingdom. So he wants you to think like he thinks. He wants you to see like he sees. He wants you to speak what he speaks. That's what God wants you to do. That's what Jesus did. So now the keys. We're getting to the keys. So to that end, there are seven knowledge keys that you need to win your mind. We were talking about the struggle between the, the, the soul and the spirit earlier, the mind and the spirit, of uh, the, the, your renewed spirit. So if you're going to win your mind over to the side of the spirit, there are seven keys that you need. Okay. So these are, I believe, some of the keys of knowledge that the Pharisees in Jesus's day had hidden from the people. The Pharisees were the pastors. They were the religious leaders. And here's what Jesus told them in Luke 11:52. He said, that's the from the Amplified Bible. Woe to you, lawyers, because you have taken away the key to knowledge, which is scriptural truth. You yourselves did not enter, and you held back those who were entering. So how were they doing that? They were uh, holding them back by your, it says in the Amplified Version, by your flawed interpretation of God's word and your man-made traditions. Jesus was directly attacking the pastors and church leaders of his day. And I'm going to tell you something, and it might offend you, and I don't care. You might pop, want to pop off, go pop off, I don't care. There are many, many pastors today that are doing the exact same thing to God's people. Yeah. They have hidden the keys of knowledge. They're not getting in themselves and they're preventing people of entering as well. So we have the same problem that Jesus had in his day. So here are the seven keys. You need to jot that down because this will probably change your life. If you understand what you need to acquire, these seven keys to unlock your mindset and your leadership. Number one, know who you are. And I know we, we hear that all the time from charismatics. Oh, identity, it's everything. Identity, oh, our identity. 
but most people talk a good game, but they don't, they don't, they don't get it. And you know what? You get identity when it, in order to get identity, you need to have not gotten identity. And I, <laughs> I suffered a great deal <laughs> of not getting identity until I finally got identity. And I went like, Oh, <laughs> Oh, identity. So identity is the first and greatest hurdle to a kingdom mindset. So you can know the Bible by heart. And I've known many Christians like that. They could quote you verse after verse after verse. They had zero understanding of their identity, but man, they knew their Bible. They could quote scripture left and right. Oh, wow. They were, they seemed like hot for God, hot stuff for God, but they had zero identity and therefore they bore zero fruit. Mm -hmm. So you can be a master theologian, but if you don't have a deep knowing of who you are, you cannot bear your full fruit in the kingdom of God. And, what, and that's one of the reasons why so many people that don't have Jesus are so miserable and they're seeking God. They, they're trying to find their identity. They're yes. trying to find their purpose. Where they, where do they fit in? Why were they created? They have no clue. And, and then you get saved and you're a Christian and you're still kind of wondering, okay, does this make sense? Like I'm doing my nine to five job and I just reserve one day on Sunday and I'm this, you know, good little Christian because I went to church and did all the traditions and did, yeah. you know, the Bible study on Wednesday. And I went to the yeah. potluck supper and, and I, I did, did everything. This and I did, I did everything right. This and I did How come Sunday I'm school? feeling like crap? I don't understand. Something and, must be wrong. But we don't dare talk about that because all the other Christians with a mask on their face in our church, they all have this big smile plastered on their face. The Lord is good all the time. I'm feeling awesome. And, and, and you're like, something must be wrong with me. I'm and, not feeling and, it. And the other thing is that a lot of pastors want you to uh, find identity in their church. So they yeah. want you to be part of that yeah. church and and um, it's funny because they want you to have religious identity with their denomination. That's the identity with, they with want the you to have. The name of their church and their T-shirts and whatnot. And <laughs> you're part of that clique. You're part of that gang of that team, you know. And it's funny because um, you know, it's, there's nothing really wrong with that as long as the pastor is teaching you how to become. Um, you a full, know, a full-fledged full, full son, a full-fledged son, and doing your own thing outside of the church for Christ, right? Developing your identity in Christ and what that means for your purpose, for your destiny, for your life, which is not just to be a churchgoer. Well, check it out. Check it out. So once you're redeemed and brought into the kingdom, your complete identity shifted from that of an orphan mm -hmm. to an adopted son. Now, this is why I love. The, the parable of the prodigal son, mm -hmm. because you got these two sons. The, the first son is, is barely mentioned in the beginning of the story. You just see him pop in at the end of the story, but they're both, they both play a, a huge part in this story. But the first son, he's a, he has an identity crisis. He doesn't really fully understand what it means to be a son. So he thinks he's going to go find his sonship elsewhere. Yeah. And he hits a big wall. And when he hits that big wall, he goes like, wait a minute, in my father's house, then, then he starts understanding, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go see my dad. I'm going to say, look, take me, take me in as one of your servants. 
I've sinned against heaven and against you. So he's got this beautiful speech all. But man, the father doesn't give him that chance. The father just embraces him, throws a big party, the robe, the ring, the sandals, the whole feast, everything. Because now he understands, the father knows, hey, my son is back, but this time he's back for good. He's really a son now. He gets it. He understands mm -hmm. what I've been trying to do for him this whole time. He never got it. That's why he left. Mm -hmm. Now, the second son, the second son, he's the guy who apparently had gotten it, right? But he didn't get it. He didn't get it. Actually, he was acting, trying to act like a son, but this whole time, he was more like a slave. He saw himself as a slave this whole time. He, he basically gets mad with the dad and says, I have been slaving for you all these years and you never gave me once a goat to party with my friends. Now, notice in the text, it doesn't say, and I asked you for a goat and you never gave it to me. It doesn't say that. He never even dared ask his dad that. Why? Because he felt like a slave. See, slaves don't dare ask their master for much, but sons ask all the time. All the time, because they know that what the father has is theirs. So Smith Wigglesworth said, uh, God is more eager to, to, uh, to give than we are to ask. God is more eager to give than we are to ask. So when you become a full in full sonship, you're, 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 you become eager to ask. You understand that your father is a good, good father. And you understand who you are. That's your identity. And I, 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 I'm saying more than I, uh, that's, that's the spirit of God. I'm saying more because the spirit of God gave me that, that illustration. I wanted to share it with you guys, you guys. So key number two. Uh, well, yeah. And yeah. Oh, oh, you got something else. Yeah. And you know, what came into my mind was yeah. so many people want to, you know, it's not because they have a bad intent. They mean well and they want to do things for God. Absolutely. And so yeah. they do certain works for God, yeah. but it's in a traditionalistic yes. way that we always do it like this. We always do it like that. And they don't let the Holy Spirit move in any direction. So they don't do it, it as accepted sons. They do it as slaves or they do it as um, religious yeah, and it's very Steps. religious, and I and I've seen that both in church and in, uh, you know, our personal lives um, with somebody in my family. Um, you know, it could be, it's not because the person, like I say, it's not the the person means. Um, the person has their heart in the right they place. Mean well. But sometimes when you don't develop that relationship with God enough, and you don't hear the Holy Spirit guiding you into what he desires, what he wants at that time, um, then you can get sucked into that, you know, uh, well, I'm going to do this because I think this is pleasing to God and we're always going to do it this way and we're always going to do it that way. And, and that makes us good Christians. And therefore, you know, we're sure to please God. Well, no one ever told you to do that. Yeah. You know, you're just basing that on what you've seen your pastor do. That's also a traditionalistic religious person. And there's no foundation. If you look at yeah. the biblical foundation of why you do that thing, there's nowhere in the Bible. It says the Lord wants it that way. When you, when you're in sonship, you know, you do it out of love. Uh, when you're not in sonship, you do it out of, well, that's how we should do it. That's how I should behave. That's mm -hmm. how I should do things. You do it more like an employee, like a slave, like uh, you're out of sonship. See, you're, if, you're lo if love is your motivation, then you know you're in sonship. 
And uh, don't forget, the word religion comes from the Latin religere, which means bound, bound. And Jesus came to set the captives free. So as we go through these seven keys, you're going you're gonna to see something uh, come to the surface. You're going to be like, man, these sound, these sound like a lot like existential questions. And many of those keys are. But here's the thing that I found is that even Christians, even the best meaning Christians, oftentimes have not settled existential questions. They still don't fully understand. And uh, we're going to get through this. Anyway, number two, number two. So number one was know who you are. Number two is know whose you are, whose you are, who you belong to. So obviously that's closely linked to number one, right? You're a son. Of course, if you're a son, you have a father. So you're not serving a distant, angry God who has a set of rules, okay? While he does have some commandments and while he is just and he does sit as a judge over the nations, that's biblical, you are nonetheless serving a tender, loving all-powerful Abba, a father, because you're in Jesus Christ. So that's a privileged relationship. So he is your Abba and the king of the universe for whom nothing is impossible and who is more eager for you to ask, uh, for uh, eager for you to answer than you are to ask. Mm -hmm. Okay. So as redeemed sons, we are not appointed to wrath. We are not appointed to, 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 to his anger. We're appointed to, 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 be, uh, to be cherished as children are. Number three, know why you're here. Know why you're here. And that this, this is very important that I address this because when I had become a Christian, I was never taught that there was such a thing as individual purpose. I understood that from church teachings and from many pastoral teachings and great teachers, mind you, that I'm saved and now Jesus is asking me to fulfill the Great Commission. So I understood it as a corporate purpose. Now I have to evangelize. That's my purpose. I have to evangelize wherever I go, whatever I do, I have to evangelize. That's my purpose. Well, guess what? I was miserable, like really miserable, but I was doing all the right things. I was reading my Bible daily. I was evangelizing at work. I was doing, I was going to Bible study. Mm -hmm. I was a goody, goody, good, good Christian. And I was miserable and depressed. And I looked around. I was like, it must be only me because everybody else seems to be having a great time. So, if you think that you were put here to evangelize, I'm going to give you a, um, a paraphrase. When John the Baptist was preaching in the desert and the Pharisees came to see him, some, some, some leaders, uh, um, not Pharisees, but uh, teachers of the law. I don't remember exactly who they were, but they, they were along those lines. And he, he looked at them. He says, who, who, who taught you to flee the wrath to come? Who taught you the way to flee this wrath of God that's coming? And he said, don't come to me saying, oh, we are sons of Abraham. In other words, 
Look at me. Look at what I'm doing. Look at my religion. Look at my beautiful religion. He says, don't come to me saying that because God can turn any one of those stones into sons of Abraham. Well, God can turn any stone into a religious person, into someone who's going to do all the right things, an automaton. That is not what he wants. And that is not what he wants for you. So I tell this to my listeners all the time that you were not put here on earth just to evangelize. That's part of the corporate purpose of the church. So sure, you have to, like, it's something that you do out of love, out of obedience to Jesus Christ, but you have a specific purpose. So Mm -hmm. there's a definite and precise reason you live in the country you live in, that you're in the skin you're in, and that you're in the time you're in. So your salvation was only the beginning of this powerful existential discovery. So why you're here defines your purpose with a capital P. That's the why you're here. Why am I here, Lord? What is the uh, the grand purpose of my individual life? Now, you might have the gift of evangelists. For example, Billy Graham, his capital P purpose was to evangelize. It, 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 it was linked to the Great Commission that we're all told to do. But his was, was specifically that. And he did just that with passion. But it's not the case for all. In other words, we're all told to evangelize and we should all evangelize when, when in season and out of season. Mm-hmm. Have a heart for that. Yeah. But you have a specific purpose that God gave you when he sent you here. An assignment, a, a calling, something he wants you to do that no one else can do but you. So that's number three. Know why you're here. And if you don't know why you're here, ask him. Bother him. Pull on the hem of his garment until he shows you what it is. And it's it's not something that's easy to find. I found mine at 40 years old. And, and what's tragic is he had shown me when I was 19 years old what my purpose was. But since I wasn't taught that, since I wasn't taught to, to pursue that, to understand that, I just didn't get it. So, so I f- kind of fled for, from it like Jonah, and I was miserable the whole time I did. Number four, know where you're going. So the direction you are going in is comprised of many different purposes, this time small p. Small P purposes. So what's the difference between the big P purpose? The big P purpose is the main reason you're here. Your main kingdom assignment. The big thing. Your one big thing. Now the small P purposes, know where you're going. This is the path you're on and the direction God wants you to go that will acquaint you with many seasons of life and many different assignments from the Father. So for example, your career, your spouse, becoming a parent or not becoming a parent, getting married or not getting married, starting a ministry. These are all part of where you're going and they are vital keys to your happiness. So there's your overarching big capital P purpose and there are small p purposes that that are um, closely linked together that are more like steps as you keep walking with God. 
Number five, know what you have. Know what you have. Everybody has different talents and abilities and gifts from the Holy Ghost. Knowing what you carry is such an important key to know yourself, but also to determine what God wants you to do specifically. So what you carry will determine what you need to give. Let me repeat that. What you carry will determine what you need to give. I think it was Pablo Picasso who said, um, yeah, he said, uh, uh, the, the, the meaning of life is to discover your, your gift and the purpose of life is to give it away. I love that quote. So what you carry will determine what you need to give. The Apostle Peter reminds us in 1 Peter 4.10, he says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Which brings me to number six. So number five was know what you have. Number six is know who you serve. Know who you serve. See, we have a vague concept. And Liz, I think you'll agree with me. When we're taught in church, serve one another. We, we think we're called to serve everybody all the time under all kinds of different different capacities. So, so, so we, in a sense, that's true. We should always be willing to help our fellow man, to especially the believers in the body. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't want you guys to misunderstand what I'm saying. But you are called to serve a specific people. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna give you guys some good stuff here. So in the body, within the body, there are different groups, different types of people. So while you are called to love all people and preach the gospel to all people, your specific gifts, your calling, and your purpose will serve, will, will have you serve a specific people. Mm-hmm. So this is what we usually refer to as ministry. Ministry is another word for that, that comes from the Greek, which means service. Okay. So For example, some are called to serve women in the body of Christ. Some are, and I'm giving you a a wide spectrum here. Women is vast, right? Uh, Some are called to serve children. I know some people who are very passionate about ending, putting an end to child trafficking. And they do it with passion and they do it with fervor. Yeah. Uh, Some are called to serve the elderly or the homeless. Some have a very specific vocation as teachers in high school, and they love to serve their students. They love it. Even Jesus and Paul, and that might shock some of you, even Jesus and Paul knew who they specifically came to serve. Jesus said in Matthew 15, 24, a verse that is very, very seldom taught, that is not liked, that is kind of kind of not really touched with a 10-foot pole by most theologians, and I'm not going to get into it myself tonight, but he did say that nonetheless. I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. That's in the uh, where the Canaanite woman came to him, and, and, and she was following him and, and telling him she wanted her daughter to be healed. 
And she had the clever answer saying, well, okay, fine. You're saying that the healing is only the children's bread and it's only for the, uh, the people of Israel. Fine. Well, dogs eat the crumbs off the table. And he said, well, because of your faith, go home. Your daughter has been healed. But that verse is very peculiar. And also the reticence of Jesus to, to, uh, um, to give this woman justice who was following them, constantly asking and begging Jesus to heal her daughter. And is like, it took a lot for it to be done. But, and, and it's not even like Jesus went like, okay, show me your daughter, I'll do it. No, it's, it's through her faith. She had such strong faith that her daughter actually got healed. But it's, it's a particular passage. He said he was sent to the lost sheep of Israel, first and foremost. And Paul said, the Apostle Paul says, I have written you because of the grace God gave me to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. He gave me the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable, acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. That's in Romans 15, verses 15 and 16. So Paul knew the specific people he was to serve. And all great ministers uh, that I have known and, and encountered and met, they all knew pretty much who they were specific, like, specifically called to church. Now, you might say, I'm a local pastor. Well, guess what? You're, serve, you're called to serve the local people of your area. That's who you're called to serve. We all have a, uh, a calling that is very specific on who we call to serve. Right, Liz? Yeah. And that's a, an entrepreneurial as well as a kingdom principle. And finally, we reach number seven, and that's something we've been uh, realizing more and more these days. Know your enemy. The seventh kingdom key is know your enemy. And that's not, that was not kind of, it's kind of not sexy. I mean, like a lot of, I know a lot of believers, they're like, oh, I don't want to talk about him. Oh, I don't want to study him. I want nothing to do with him. Yeah, that's cute. It sounds spiritual. It sounds like, you're so holy and godly that you want nothing to do with the devil. I like that. That's beautiful. But you still need to know the tactics of the enemy. Because if you don't, he's going to have a field day with you. Oh, boy. You're going to play basketball. You're going to play ping pong with you. You're going to be the ball, though. You're going to be the ball. Okay? <laughs> so we each have a powerful enemy who seeks to deter us from our kingdom purposes and assignment. And this enemy is Satan and the devil. Believers who ignore his devices will fall into all kinds of snares, and these snares may lead them into perverse thinking. One of the favorite things that the devil loves to use is to make us think that God will uh, cause harm in your life to, to, uh, to sanctify you. You know, and I used to be a victim of that perverse thinking. Mm -hmm. And when I would go through hard times, I would go like, why, God, are you doing this to me? That is a snare of the devil. And he loves that one because that gives a, a falsified, a perverse image of God the Father. Now, does, does God discipline us? Yes, but he disciplines us as a father not as a, a tyrant, not as a, uh, what, what do you call these guys who torture people in jails? Uh, uh, there's a name for that. I, I forget it because I'm French, right? So it's something. 
<laughs> not, bully, <laughs> not a bully, but uh, a torturer anyway. There's these guys who inflict pain on people. Yeah. God is not like that. See, but the devil loves that one. And and many Christians fall for that. They they don't, they basically uh, give the, the, the devil a free pass. They don't even think the devil, they don't even, they can't even conceive that it's actually the devil doing this to them. They think it's God. And, and they think that, oh, well, yes, it's the devil, but that's because God let him. They don't understand their dominion. They don't understand <laughs> what is going on in the earth realm and why the devil has the, the, the capacity to attack them. They don't understand their own capacity to rebuke the devil and to cast them, cast out demons and to take authority over what is happening to them in their lives. So they blame God. Mm -hmm. So this is one of the snares. I mean, there's, there's hundreds of snares and he's had, uh, he's been, he's been training himself on people for millennia, for millennia. So he's, he's really, really good at it. He's, really, he's gotten really proficient at it. So if you don't know, first of all, like I said, the first remember the first two points, who you are, whose you are. So you need to know God. You need to know God's ways, uh, God's heart. Yeah, God's heart. You know, if you don't know God's heart, mm -hmm. if you don't have that when, sonship, yeah. that, that relationship with the Father, knowing who you are and whose you are, uh, your your identity is flawed. You're in religion. The devil's gonna have a field day giving you all kinds of perverse thinking and beliefs about uh, about God. He's got, because his his main fun is to basically uh, distort your uh, the reality of or, or, or of what you think God is, of who you think God is. Because if he can falsify the Father's image, he knows he knows he's won the game. I mean, it's that easy. He knows he's he's got you. Yeah, and he'll even use other Christians to do his dirty work. Um, I know it sounds yeah. awful oh, yeah. to say no, that, true. but you know there there have been times where we've had you know uh, very very hard um, things, trials that happen in our lives, like yeah. a lot of things that you know were very difficult to deal with. Yeah. And we had some Christians saying, "Well, you know, maybe your walk with God isn't." You know, as good as it should be. Maybe you, you Maybe have unforgiveness you, in you your have heart. Unforgiveness. And, it, and mind you, it, there are times when that does apply. But for example, if you lost a child, a car accident or anything, like let's take it, something tragic. You got cancer. Well, I doubt. It, it, here's what I think. When, when, when someone comes out, you have unforgiveness. Well, maybe your unforgiveness led to bitterness, which affected your body but it was not inflict the cancer was not inflicted by god you understand yeah. and the same thing uh, if you lose a child so, uh, some there's some over religious people you know the church lady from saturday night live like uh, you know she's very she's the typical prototypical religious christian uh, some people would say things like well you lost your child uh, you must have some hidden sin in your life mm. There's some, there is such language sometimes in churches that is so destructive. It's demonic. Yeah. It is demonic. And, and, and so, I, so it's, I, it's, I know for, for a fact, like, <laughs> um, you know, I had lost my, my child. Well, our child we had lost and um, the devil tried to use family. family. I know it sounds sick, right? No, because you're sounds... like family. Why would family why do would that family? to you? Yeah. Like you just lost your child family 
um, the church, the church, the pastor, the pastor. Uh, there were all kinds of things that all it's like the devil was, it was just the coming least, at us the in all directions. Least, the people you would least suspect of being used by the devil in a time like this, or in other words, the people you would mm -hmm. most expect to be helpful in those situations are the ones that caused us the most harm. And, and, you know, when it happened, we didn't understand. We're like, how could they think that way? Is, is like, that really happening? I mean, we have thing. to pinch ourselves sometimes. And, because... and it's all to make you believe that either you're full of sin and you're, um, you know, not living godly enough. And that's, and that's, that's why yeah. that's why this happened. Or it's like, um, you know, um, I, I, I'm, I, cause I don't want to say the exact words. No, I, I get it. But... Or, or it's something that, you know, the person's like nitpicking something that they see in your life that they're trying to, you know, convince you that, cause it's like, they want to, some people want to help you, but they have to justify, they have to find a reason why this happened. So they kind of just try to find something in the physical. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that's the problem with that. But um, a lot of Christians, when we look at it from hindsight, years later, we realize that it was a religious spirit yes. that was speaking through them yes. that we couldn't believe like, and, the and, stuff and, that they were saying. And, and when you look at it from a, a you know, religious spirits perspective, you, uh, you see how they operate. How they operate. And it was they wanted all, to get us away from God. They yeah. wanted to move away in pain yeah. and, and, and even in, in bitterness and in, in, in disappointment with God mm -hmm. to move us out of relationship with the Lord. Yeah. And it almost succeeded mm -hmm. and it was very painful. But because and, then and when, that's they, where Paul, when they gang up like that, when those spirits gang up on the, through the religious spirit, they, tag team they you. outnumber you. Yeah. And then you start to think, well, you start looking at yourself and you start thinking, well, maybe this, maybe that, maybe God, you know, really doesn't love me. Maybe, you know, he allowed this because we weren't good enough uh, parents to be, you know, you start wondering all kinds of stuff because of all the lies that you're, you're thrown in your face. Yeah. And it was so far from reality. And it was just, you know, to, to try to destroy us as a couple, because mm. we wouldn't be talking to you today if we were, um, you know, if we hadn't uh, persevered. And we always knew and deep in our heart what God wanted for us. And, you know, that's why I say it's important to know the heart of God, because when you understand God's promises, what he promised you in the Bible, yeah. his heart and um, how he feels about you and how he loves you so much, you know that he doesn't want any harm to come to you or your family. And, you know, the proof is that we have three beautiful children today yeah. and they're all healthy and wonderful. And, and we, we love them very much. And, you know, we have this, this wonderful life with them. And a lot of people look at that and go, wow, you know, like they have these three beautiful kids and, you know, everything's great. And, but, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't easy and in the beginning because of what happened. And Liz, uh, I think it's important also to mention that how the devil operates is he always likes mm -hmm. to be anonymous. So he basically yeah. what he wanted for us was to start hating those friends or, or pastors yeah. or family members and not see that it's him and not see that, that he was, he was behind it yeah. using demonic agents to, 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 to say these things yeah. and, and to try to, 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 to ruin our our faith, mm -hmm. our uh, marriage, uh, all kinds of things in our lives uh, mm -hmm. by, by using, basically influencing, I should say, human agents. And that's why Paul said it 
that we where our struggle is not against flesh and blood. And well, guess what? Uh, guess what? Family members are they're flesh and blood. Guess what? A pa your pastor is he's flesh and blood. Uh, and if he's not, get out of that church fast. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But uh, so the point is, uh, the attacks come uh, through people, but they, they don't necessarily come from people. That's the point. Yeah, and and I want to warn you guys about something. You know, I've noticed personally when you take a stand for God and you're going going to act in faith and you're going to say, you know, you're going to be led by the Holy Spirit to do something. And it kind of looks like in the physical, it's a little nuts or it's a little, you know, um, out there kind of like people that aren't Christians would not understand why you would do a certain thing. But the Lord is calling you to do a certain thing and you're stepping out in faith. And then next thing you know, ring, ring, the phone rings and it's your mother-in-law that's super opinionated. And you're just like happy, you know, that you're excited about this project or this thing that the Lord has put on your heart and you want to do this thing and you share it with her. And then all of a sudden she just like dissects it and cuts it in half and says you're nuts and this It'll is ridiculous. Work, it's uh, not going to work what? and whatnot. And so for some reason, when you say, you know, I'm going to do this thing and your mindset's right and you're moving into action and you're, you're, you're like, you know, a hundred percent into this thing, you're, you're, you know, all prayed up. The Lord is speaking to you and you're like on cloud nine. You're like, I'm going to do this thing for God and it's wonderful. And I know he's going to bless this. And then all of a sudden, all these people come out of the woodwork. They'll <laughs> ring your doorbell. They'll call you. You never heard of they them for three months, but they're going to call you. You know what I mean? So <laughs> beware. <laughs> yeah, no, that's absolutely true. That That's how he operates. And so as we reach the end of the program, I want to review again, once again, those seven mindset keys to unlock your leadership because we are doing this kingdom leadership series. And I know as we've been doing this kingdom leadership series, a lot of people, they struggle with that. They don't see themselves as leaders. And I'm, I've said it every single episode. I'm going to say it again. Mm -hmm. If you are born again and a kingdom citizen, well, guess what? There is a leadership call on your life, whether you feel or uh, feel it or not, whether you believe it or not, whether you, you think you can do it or not, there's a leadership call on your life. This is why we did this series. It was to help the, the believers in the body of Christ to, to step up to the plate, to be like, I am going to stand up and, and be counted and be that leader because it, it's only natural. It's only normal. Think about the way God's economy works. We're the salt and the light of the world. Mm -hmm. Right there, that's that's leadership. I mean, when you're a light to someone, think about that. That's you're 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 paving the way. You're showing the way. That's leadership. Yeah. When you're salt, you're purifying your environment. That's also leading the way. So so we're called to have an impact and an influence uh, on the culture by being kingdom expanders. We are called yeah. to expand the kingdom of God. And so. I just wanted to give the seven. Yeah, uh, wait a second. Yeah. Um, before um, something that Lisa said about her her family yeah. uh, persecuting her all the time. Now, obviously, there's you know, depending on if your family uh, are believers or not, I'm guessing they're probably not. Um, but you know, um, I would say you know, there's a lot of components to this. You know, the the devil 
uh, oftentimes can work through unbelievers to discourage you in your faith, um, especially if you're outnumbered in family gatherings and everybody else isn't saved and you're the only person that's saved. It, it's it's a lot harder in a way. But, um, you know, and there's also the mindset issue. You know, I have family that's Christian, um, but I would say that since my mindset has shifted into personal growth personal and, growth and, has I, made, yeah. and I try to grow myself um, yeah, and think differently and think like the Lord wants me to think. And when you focus on these things and you're always concentrating on be, being better, giving more to people, adding value to people, that's when you notice that a lot of people around you are doing the exact opposite. And that's Christian or no Christian. Yeah. I know a lot of Christians in my family, they're like, I can barely put one foot forward in my own life. I need God to help me. Why am I going to help other people? Like they have that kind of attitude. Well, right? that's because they haven't unlocked those seven keys, right? And they're Obviously. they're very self-centered and looking at just their problems and not getting out of that mindset so that they can actually pour into other people and add value to other people. Yeah. So, you know, I think that as, as we get stronger in our mindset, people... Christian or no Christian are going to notice around you. They might persecute you for for it. They might think you're ridi ridiculous. You might have to take some distance from some of those people because um, you don't want it to drag you down constantly. Sometimes it's just good to know. Like I, I had that problem with some somebody very close in my family, and I ended up just calling, checking, checking how she's doing, talking about the weather, talking about my kids, talking about superficial stuff not going into deep into anything, not talking about my projects, not talking about anything else because, no, because you that the, person the, was just always yeah. always kicking me down with, with those kind of things. So I tend to work with the Lord and my husband and do, do the thing that I'm going to do. And only once it's done or like I'm yeah. already been doing it for a while that I'll share it with family. Hey, I built people. an orphanage. You know, because, hey, I, because ministry. Yeah, because I find that when you're starting anything, it's difficult as it is. You don't want people kicking you down. Exactly. Right? And that's how the devil operates. When you when you share your projects, if you have projects that God put on your heart, always make sure if you do share them that it's with someone who is really walking with the Lord, who will mm -hmm. be an encouragement. Actually, John Maxwell told an interesting story yeah. once about that. He he uh he had um uh, a man called him, one of his friends called him and says, I really want to meet with you for breakfast. You need to be here. There's something I want to tell you. And, and he went to for breakfast with him and he says, John, something amazing happened in my life, something grandiose and wonderful. And the reason I called you here is because I know that you're going to rejoice with me. Yeah. And, and most people, I, I, most other people I can't. So you're the only one I'm telling this to. Because I know that I, what I'm going to get from you is awesome. And he told them. And, and, and sure enough, John Maxwell was super happy. There was no jealousy. No. And see, that's the thing. We, yeah. So we, it's we, have to be, we have to be very selective when God puts a project uh, on your heart, an assignment. If you're going to share it, share it with someone who will build you up into fulfilling the assignment. Will actually even encourage, keep, you. encourage you and keep you accountable if you don't do it. Will be someone say, "Hey, you, you haven't done what you were supposed to. What what happened with that project? Why aren't you doing it?" That's the type of person you want uh, on your side when you're sharing good news. So I just want to go through the seven. Yeah. If they didn't jot them down, so 
the seven mindset keys to unlock your leadership. Number one, know who you are. Identity is key. I said that and I meant it. Number two, know whose you are. Know, uh, have such a deep relationship with the father uh, mm -hmm. that you will always trust his heart. Always trust his heart, even when you can't see his hand. So mm -hmm. know whose you are. Whose you are. Number three, know why you're here. The big P purpose. Uh, number four, know where you're going. So your small P purposes, all the different uh, uh, seasons and uh, smaller assignments and, and smaller things that God wants you to do, where he's bringing you. Number five, know what you have. Everybody has talents, gifts, abilities, and spiritual gifts. Know what those are because they will give you a huge idea as to what you're supposed to, number six, serve, who you're supposed to serve. So yeah. number six is who know who you serve. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not because we are called to, to love everybody and to preach the gospel to as many people as we can, that we are called to serve everybody, every which way, anytime, any day, all the time. We have a specific people that we're called to serve. Seven, know your enemy. Know your enemy, even though it's not something that most people uh, think is, is they, they feel it's counterproductive when you tell them, oh, you kind of need to know the tactics of the devil if you're going to uh, be able to fight in spiritual warfare and, and recognize his own attacks. And a lot of people, they just don't want to engage in that because they yeah. think it's negative. I don't want to have those negative thoughts. There's that component. Yeah. And especially, yeah, uh, because usually personal growth, you're focusing on the positive, right? You're focusing on, you know, um, more of what you can change and what you can what do, you can accomplish. Um, what you can change in your circumstance, how you can see the glass half full instead of half empty, you know, stuff like that. And, and, uh, and a lot more. Um, and so you're building the strengths, you're, you're basically building those qualities that the Lord wants you to have in, in your, um, in your person in who you are, right. And how you think. And so what's really important about mindset is to realize that not everybody's going to share your journey. Mm. Um, people are going to see you change. Your family's going to notice you change. And, you know, you're going to have people that are going to think, wow, you know, that person's changed. Like, what did they do? I want some of that. And they're going to want to to kind of latch on to you and learn from you. And you're going to have other people that are going to be like, that is just so weird the way this person's talking. Like, I, I really don't know what happened to him, what he's been smoking or whatever. Like some people in, in your family are just going to be like, that is such a weird way of thinking and doing and whatnot. And so you're going to have to make that decision. Um, you know, John Maxwell talks about it very openly. And he says, you know, for every for every um, new dimension that he's grown in life, he's lost a lot of friends along the way. Yeah. And yet for every and, new level, for every new level, there's a new devil. But there's also relationships that are going to fall. Yeah. That are going to fall, fall through. And you got you see. That's something that most believers have a very hard time because they 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 don't want to let go of any relationships because they think they're falling out of love or that they're not being loving. Yeah. But there's relationships that you're gonna that need. Toxic, yeah. You're gonna need to leave behind. There's some people who, as you're changing and evolving, they're not gonna like you anymore. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. That's okay. And guess what? Yeah. Jesus actually provoked it. I mean, when he, when he had done the, the miracle of the bread and fish, Mm-hmm. There were a big, there was a big crowd following him after that for a long time, and and uh, he, he turned to them one day and he says, uh, "Verily, verily, I say unto you, you're not following me for any other reason than be, that because you know I can I can provide bread." Yeah. And and uh, they they he uh, called they, them out. He <laughs> called them out, and they were like, "Oh!" So so they stopped following him after that. A, a huge bunch of people stopped following him after that, and Jesus turned. To the apostles, to the the other disciples, he looked at them. Says, "What about you? Are you going to leave too?" And they said, "Lord, who would we go to? You have the words of eternal life." And then they were basically saying, "We're in this until the end. We're we're not leaving. We, we're not in it for the bread." But there's people who um, they're, they're going to follow you for their own benefit, or they're going to follow you because you you provide something for them. And as you change and evolve. Oh, lo and behold, you don't watch TV or you don't watch sports anymore, or you're not you're not cool anymore, or you're 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 you're, you're, you're you, you too change. busy doing ministry and you don't you don't go out with them anymore. So so then they're, they're gonna start not liking you anymore. And guess what? That's okay. Just and you, leave it yeah. behind. And, and you know, the the general person, the general population of uh people that you know do the do the thing like i say do the thing do the routine you know live for the weekends those people live to get a mental escape so oftentimes tv for them is a mental escape it's you know those shows those series they binge watch it's all about food and and they can't can't wait to finish their their day at work to go and binge on on their netflix shows yeah exactly and for them that's life you know that's it they, they pitched their tent there. There's no, there's nothing else they've accepted. That's, that's a reality. And for others, it's like, no, I don't want this as a rea- reality. It's freaking sucks. I want to do more with my life. Yeah. I feel like God is calling me to do more. I am more. And you, ha- you just haven't discovered what that is. And so I encourage you to, you know, to, to seek, um, to seek God in this, to find your purpose. We have great resources at thrivingourpurpose.com. If you look, if you put in the search bar, just purpose, you're going to find a podcast episodes there that you can listen to on purpose. And it's really going to help, you you know, align yourself with, you know, where am I going? What does God want of me? How do I find my purpose? And, you know, that's, you, that's, you seek until you find, that's how you yeah. find your purpose. There, there's no, uh, well, I sought for three weeks. I didn't find it. So forget that. I guess I don't have a purpose. No, you do have a purpose <laughs> and, and you have to seek until you find. Yeah. That's what you have to do. And God will show you it. it, it sometimes he, he might uh, lead you through a certain path to find it, but he's going to show you eventually because he, he needs it. He, he sent you there for that. So obviously he wants you to find it, right? Yeah. And, you know, trust the process and and enjoy the journey of where it brings yes. you because growing your mindset, growing in personal development really does transform you. And you see the world in a, in a, in a new light. You understand your Bible differently, why yes. God wants you to be a kingdom so leader, why he wants to be you to be a kingdom ambassador in, in your full fullness of your purpose. And, you know, those that don't join that, that don't embrace that, well, Unfortunately, they just, you know, you know, maybe they'll be part of your lives. Maybe you'll find a way like I I found with some people just to, you know, keep things at the surface, just general conversations, short and sweet, and let's move on. 
And, you know, I try to, to really focus. And if I'm going to spend time with somebody, it has to be somebody that I feel that is, that is, um, helping me, you know, helping me in the sense encouraging or that loves me genuinely cares about me and doesn't want to, <laughs> that's why we're all doesn't want to hinder or is not jealous of me to take away or try to, you know, cause there's a lot of people that pretend to be your friends. They pretend to care about you, but in reality, they don't want you to succeed Yeah, because you know, if, and, and, and that goes for they're called, fam- they're called frenemies, huh? That goes for family too. There you have family members, could be your brother or sister, that you know, they pitch your tent and in reality they're not very happy where they are. And so they see you trying to get further and you doing well and you being happy and the Lord, you know, doing things in your life, and they're like, wait a minute, you know, well, well, if that's happening share- with their life, like something's wrong with me. So let me like pull her down. Well, that's what I want to share. The, bucket the crab in the bucket. If you've never heard the, <laughs> the story of the crab in the bucket, there's this uh, crab fisherman. He's on a he's on a boat, and uh, there's this little crab in the bucket. And the, there's a guy with him. He's so he's basically like a tourist, and he's like watching the fisher, the crab fisherman work. And there's yeah. one crab. He caught one crab. It's in his bucket, and he keeps uh, he keeps uh, trying to climb, and the, the fisherman has to take him and put him back in the bucket, put him back in the bucket. Mm-hmm. Then the fisherman catches another uh, crab and he puts the, the second crab in the bucket. And uh, then he doesn't touch the crabs anymore. He doesn't pay attention to the crabs anymore. And 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 they, like, the, the guy looks at the crabs in the bucket and goes like, he tells the fisherman, he says, aren't you going to do anything? Are they going to like climb out or anything? He says, no, when there's two or more, the problem is solved. Because whenever one of the crabs tries to climb out of the bucket, the other crabs claw at him and drag him back down. Hmm. And this illustration is very, very similar to what a lot of us are going through when you decide to grow yourself, when you decide that you're going to grow your mindset, you're going to start changing things, you're going to grab the bull by the horns and and, uh, become... uh, uh, become more. You're going to do more. You're going to become more. You're going to achieve more. Why? Because God lives in you and you want to honor him. You want uh, your life to reflect what is written in your book in heaven. Mm -hmm. So once you start that, there's going to be crabs in that bucket, baby. They're going to try to drag you back down, drag you back down. And those are oftentimes, it's sad to say, but they're oftentimes, they're going to be the relationships you're going to need to uh, cut loose. You're going to mm-hmm. need to cut them loose. Or put some distance. Put yeah. some distance or cut them loose. And it is what it is. It doesn't mean you, you you can't pray for them. It doesn't mean that at all. But it just means that for you, they just happen to be a hindrance. And you don't want any hindrance. You want to run that race uh, in a way that nothing's going to uh, be holding you back. Yeah, because you want the Lord to be um, pleased with you. You know, if he's asking you to do something, you feel he's tugging you towards your purpose then you want to discover what that is and walk in full in that fullness of it and you know do this because you love the lord and you want him to to call you to say you know good and faithful servant and that's you know at the end of the day that's what that's what matters is really what matters like we we do what we do because of the our savior because the lord puts that on our heart uh puts a tugging on our heart and you know you know and then when you look at your your family and everybody else, you realize, you know, basically a lot of people are just living for themselves, you know, 
that or they're they're just or they're too busy surviving too, they, they're, they're just they trying to survive they don't yeah. or they, they just don't like getting out of their comfort zone to them is so painful and it's so difficult or they're lazy some of them are lazy some of them it just are, yeah. oh that sounds like work you know that's they have like no motivation <laughs> and we see a lot of those in the in the in the church and you know what god says about what Jesus says about lukewarm Christians, yeah, right? Yeah. And there's a ton of them, a ton of lukewarm Christians. Well, that's unfortunately it's the majority. It's the majority. You know, uh, it, it, I once read it and the book made me laugh. Says that the of a hundred, let's take take a hundred percent of your uh, Christians in your church, eighty uh, percent are lukewarm, ten percent are really dragging uh, the whole ministry of the church, and the other ten percent are there to cause division. That's pretty much an accurate picture of most churches in America and Canada, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I hope that this, uh, this broadcast blessed you. I encourage you to go to thrivingonpurpose.com to check out our free resources. Um, we have a lot of uh, great content for you. Uh, you know, read the seven declarations for your life, that's in our free resource section. And, and uh, download that. And also, if if you want to read a good book to help your mindset, there's of course there's a mindset by Carol Dweck, but mm -hmm. it's not a Christian book, not written by a Christian. But one written by a Christian is John Maxwell's Fifteen Laws of Growth. Yeah, this is a fantastic book that will catapult you into personal, a personal growth program. The Fifteen Laws of Growth. Yeah, fantastic. Well, book. on on our YouTube channel, if you go search Thriving on Purpose on our YouTube channel, uh, you're going to see the video on, in, in the Kingdom Leadership Series on Knowledge. In the description of that video on YouTube, I put a bunch of uh, links to really good resources and books that I recommend uh, for your journey on personal growth. And um, also, um, if you look up just on our website, thrivingonpurpose.com, and just put in personal growth. You're going to see there's a bunch of podcasts yeah. that you can listen. We did a, a lot of them in the last few years on personal growth, all kinds of things that that you know God showed us that we learned. And it's really personalized. It's not just personal growth, but it's also personal growth for the believer. So yeah. it's really always having that kingdom mindset, that kingdom perspective on everything that, that we touch in, yes. in our ministry. Yes. Well, that's yeah. it for this week. That's it. For, uh, mm -hmm. I, I don't know if we're going to add a, another episode for Kingdom Leadership at this point. Uh, so this might very well be the last one, uh, but I think it crowns everything uh, adequately for the journey we took of these nine different broadcasts on Kingdom Leadership. I hope these have blessed you and that they've encouraged you to um uh, to to basically develop your leadership to to make it a point mm -hmm. of uh, of growing yourself of becoming more of not settling of yeah. not thinking it's going to magically happen no one ever got to the top of a mountain and by by accident mm -hmm. so we have mountains to conquer and uh, the lord uh, is uh, is our banner and he's is leading us to uh, to do so so um, be encouraged with that yeah so be blessed and thrive on.